and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the podcast that is definitely not sponsored by Valtrex. This week we have Ambria, Zoe, and Hope. So I want to talk about something that overwhelming fear led me to become an expert about herpes. We are also going to talk about burr, burr, other... burr. <laughs> and when I say I became an expert about this, I mean, like, literally, I schooled my doctor about it. Um, we're also going to talk about some other STIs. Um, speaking of TIs, we're also going to probably delve a little bit into the, the virginity. Uh, Whoa, very smooth transition. Right? <laughs> STIs, TI. Probably going to talk about the um, the virginity scandal um, and the concept of virginity a little bit towards the end. Um, but first, we're going to focus on herpes. So I'm going to share <laughs> my personal story about herpes. Sorry, I'm I love waiting. the herpes air horn, but please yeah. go on. <laughs> I'm waiting still. My you know, story. Laura's not on this episode, so I just always try to fill in where I think Laura would like make noise or respond. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, oh, I amazing. just thought of like we're missing the Laura noise, which is like. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Miss you, Laura. Aww, yeah. Hi, Laura. Um, so, like, a big reason that I actually wanted to do this is because I personally had a herpes scare that put me through so much anxiety. I'm talking actual anxiety attacks for months. And um, it was really, really, really hard for me to find correct information about it. And so, I literally, I just want to use this platform to kind of share some of that information that I found out with people just in case they're ever thinking about herpes. I'm waiting for the air horn again. <laughs> also, uh, I have Josephine with me here. And when I did that the first time, she looked me dead in the eye and went, burr, burr, burr. <gasps> No. She learned baby air horn today. Baby air horn. Baby air horn. Do, 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 do. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> I don't know if like the rest of the world knows baby shark song the way teachers know it and probably parents know it parents of older oh, Andrea, that's not cool anymore it's all old town road all the time now oh. <laughs> that's what the kids are into that's one that's one the adults can enjoy as well all right so here's what happened to me here's my story it's kind of long but um I used to have a partner for a while. I had a boyfriend that had herpes and um, I didn't really think much of it. And while we were dating, uh, at one point I went to the doctor, my my regular physician, um, who's a pretty informed physician generally. She's my actual, actually, she's my gynecologist, but also kind of like acted as my general physician. Um, and I told her my partner had herpes. So she was like, oh, I'll just give you the test for it. And so she gave me, she took some blood and did a blood test and called me and said, oh, the results were negative. You don't have it. No worries. So um, I didn't really think anything of that. I was like, cool. Everything's probably fine. I didn't think about it much during the relationship at all. Um, our relationship ended 
And I didn't sleep with anyone for about a year. And then I met somebody new and I started to date him and we started sleeping together. And at some point, I just kind of out of the blue remembered like, oh, I dated someone with herpes and I never really got tested again after that one time. And then I got super worried. Um, So I went to my boyfriend and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. We've been having unprotected sex. And I was super nervous about this. Um, And then I was like, because I dated someone with herpes and I realized like I haven't had another test. And I was like, I've never had any sort of like suspicious anything that I've seen on myself. So I don't have any reason to believe I have it, but um, I should probably get tested. So I go to the doctor, the same doctor, and I ask for the same blood test again. Um, And of course, it took a while for me to get over to the doctor to have an appointment. And then I had to wait to get the test results back another week. And so I was like pretty nervous about it all, but didn't really like think there would be a problem. So the test results come back and um, she tells me it's that it's it looks good. I'm in the clear. So I tell my boyfriend, I'm like, yay, we're in the clear. Um, And then... Uh, we, we resume having unprotected sex, of course. And then, um, I get another call from, from the doctor and she's like, oh, actually the results are inconclusive. It's not really the same. Like they had talked about it and she called me again and I was like, inconclusive. What does that mean? And she was like, well, it means that, you know, there was something there, but maybe it isn't like fully developed or maybe it's nothing. You need to come back and get another test. And we'll see how it goes the second time. So I'm like, oh, my God, I have to call my boyfriend again or text him or whatever people do. And I have to be like, JK, maybe it's not fine. Sorry, we had unprotected sex again. (laughs) So I go back to the doctor or I get ready to. And in the meantime, I'm talking to my roommate about this and her parents are doctors. And she's like, why don't you talk to my dad? Um. And one of the reasons I was like, this doesn't make any sense is because they said, if it's inconclusive, you only have herpes if like you just got them. You just got it. You just got herpes and it like started producing the virus, but not enough to be like a conclusive positive. But I was like, well, I didn't have sex with any, you know, with the person with herpes for like a year. Anyway, this is all getting very into the weeds, but it was a back and forth. And I go back to the doctor and I get another test and um, it they call me and they say it's positive. Um, so at this point, I'm crushed. And uh, I contact my boyfriend and I tell him and it's all very crushing. And I don't know, I, I feel devastated. Like, oh, I have herpes for life. Oh, this is horrible. Um, But then I start the next day, like researching this and I'm researching and researching and reading and reading. And I come across something that tells me that the CDC actually recommends that you do not do the blood test for herpes because of the danger of false positives. I feel like the story is really long. Do you guys have any questions or anything to add at this point? No, I don't think it's as long as it probably feels like to you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm still following. I'm yeah. Like, you know, 
Okay, cool. Okay. Usually the podcast isn't just one person talking, so I'm like, what's This happening? is going to be one full uninterrupted hour of Ambria telling a herpes yeah. story. This is <laughs> your time to shine, okay? <laughs> oh, this is so personal. So It's what the people want. It is. So um, it says that there's a lot of false neg- uh, positives with this. Basically, if it's negative, you're good. But if it's positive, you might not be good. Um, so the CDC says, actually, we don't really know like how many of the positives are false. We just know it's possible. So there's two kinds of herpes. One kind, well, there's more than two kinds, but two kinds that generally humans care about. Um, one tends to live on your face and one tends to live on your genitals. Um, it's one is herpes one and the other is called herpes two. So um, herpes one is the the herpes uh, that tend to live on your face. And everybody pretty much accepts like, okay, some people get cold sores. It is not a big deal pretty much to anyone. I mean, maybe I've met some like really weird person who cares, but um, pretty much in society, nobody really cares about the herpes on your face. But the other herpes on your genitals, people care about very, very deeply. Um, so if you have herpes one, apparently the blood test is not good enough to always be able to distinguish between herpes one in your blood and herpes two. And I did have a cold sore when I was like in fifth grade and I never got one again, but I have it. So um, apparently it's possible to like get a false positive if you have the first kind of herpes. Now on top of there being two kinds of herpes, there's two ways that you can diagnose herpes um, for sure. One of those ways is you get a sore or multiple sores on your genitals and you go to the doctor while they're still fresh. They take a biopsy of the fluid from the sore and they test it and they can tell you 100% is that herpes or is it not? Because it has the virus in the fluid. Um, And then the other test is this blood test, uh, which has been proven to be not uh, trustworthy. So I find out that there is one proprietary secret of a 100% real blood test for herpes. And the only place that does it is the University of Washington State. They have a lab. They know how to test blood for herpes 2 of the genitals. And no one else knows how to do it. It's a different test. I don't know what the deal is with this. But sounds shady. Yeah, it's weird. But it's totally true. You could go research it. Yeah, no, I believe you. It just seems weird that they're not sharing that. Yes, right? Sounds (laughs) almost like we have like a a medical system in this country that's like pretty fucked up and not that interested in really helping people. It does. It's cheap to do that. It does appear that way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not to mention the fact that the herpes test. The herpes blood test sells well because people have a ton of anxiety about herpes, um, which is pretty unfounded. But, you know, uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, but it is super weird because that test sells. It gets ordered all the time, the regular blood test that that isn't a good blood test. Um, and in fact, so, so here's the next part of the story. I send my fucking blood to the University of Washington. I have to like go to a lab and explain to them what I want to do. And they're like, what? Like they have to like 
withdraw it for me and use ice packs with dry ice and put it in a box and ship it to Washington for me. And it's all very strange, but I make it happen. Um, and my boyfriend helps to pay for it. And also in the meantime, he has let me know that if I do have herpes, he doesn't think we can be together anymore. Probably. Um, he doesn't say outright, I'm going to break up with you, but he was like, I don't know if I can continue to have sex with you if you have herpes. Um, it would just be like, he's like, I know it's unfounded and I know like it actually doesn't pass that easily, but I just feel like, um, it would be this thing that I wouldn't be able to get over. I was like, cool. I'm terrified and I feel like I'm disgusting and unlovable. And if I have herpes, I will be disgusting and unlovable for the rest of my life. Um, so I was feeling that I was having a lot of anxiety. I basically couldn't eat for like two months. Um, and then it turned out that I did not have herpes. Um, I got a call. I was like, I wrote them a letter (laughs) when I sent my blood. I was like, dear God, I'm going insane. Please. As like soon as you have results, please call me and tell me. Like, cause they're going to send it in the mail and I'm like with a lab report, I'm like, please just call me and tell me I have to know. Um, so, uh, they call me and they tell me I don't have herpes and they call my doctor and my doctor calls me and I explain all this stuff about the blood test that they gave me, um, that gave me a false positive. Um, and so they get the results from the lab and I talk to my doctor on the phone and she's like, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that there was any problem with this blood test at all. I, I didn't know. I thought we have a blood test for herpes. I can order it. It's fine. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, and yeah, that's the story of how I thought I might have herpes and then I didn't, but this, there's a huge thing at play here, which is that I never got a herpes outbreak yet. I was convinced that it was possible that I had herpes. That's because if you go online and you Google, like, you know, I had a partner that has herpes. Could I have herpes? Everyone will tell you, including very official looking medical websites that it's possible for you to have herpes and never have an outbreak and be a carrier. But what I figured out with all this research and by reading about this blood test is, okay, everyone says you can have herpes and never have an outbreak, yet there's only two ways to test for herpes. Either the University of Washington does it, which not many people get that test, or you do this other blood test, or you test a sore. So please tell me scientifically how on earth we have any basis to go around saying you can have herpes without having an outbreak because sure it's possible that people are having herpes without having outbreaks, but there's absolutely no scientific proof that anyone has had herpes without having an outbreak or that, you know, a significant number of people have herpes without ever seeing an outbreak where you have sores. So it's really weird because this is a very common thing that people say which is like, oh, you can just be a carrier for herpes and not have any sores. There's no scientific evidence of that, um, at least not like to a significant degree, because we we don't have a widespread blood test that could tell us if people that aren't having outbreaks do have herpes. 
Um, and so then another thing about this blood test is people get it and they test positive and they believe it. And so then they seek out partners that have herpes and then they, you know, they have unprotected sex without really being careful about, you know, whether or not they're having active outbreaks. And so then it's possible that people who didn't actually have herpes and had a false positive get herpes. Mm. Um, so it's really wild out here. And I just wanted people to know about it. Yeah. If you don't have a herpes outbreak, don't worry about it. That's that's the moral of my story. Thank you for talking us through that. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge that uh, that was a really rough thing that you had to go through. And it makes me think of something that Tanya said in our one of our sex ed episodes about how, like, in our country, we're just supposed to fucking Nancy Drew our own reproductive health which is such bullshit. You shouldn't have to like do that much work and self-educate that much about things that are that common. So first that is like a huge systemic failure. Um, it's, yeah, it was really just awful. And then uh, also the last thing you said reminded me of something a friend of mine who has a partner with herpes said, which is that like, she feels like it's kind of like interview with the vampire with herpes where like, if you have a partner that has it, then they get, they feel like they've exposed you to it. And now you're like one of them. And there is kind of this sense that's not really founded in, in medical science and people aren't clear on who actually has it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're like sullied even (laughs) you're super, you're treated as super sullied if you have herpes. And then on top of that, if you've slept with somebody who has herpes, then like, like you said, it's kind of as if you are sullied as well, simply by being in proximity to it. But I started to tell earlier about a time uh, during all this when I talked to my roommate's father, and I didn't finish the story, um, who is a a physician. And I was like, what if I have it, but I just haven't had an outbreak? And he was like, I just wouldn't go down that road. (laughs) And I'm like, you think I shouldn't consider that possibility? He's like, I just wouldn't go down that road. (laughs) And he just kind of kept repeating that. He's like, I guess it's possible, but... I just wouldn't go down that road. Um, If you haven't had an outbreak, don't worry about it. And he also said this really interesting thing I never forgot, which was, look, if you're sexually active, you're going to come into contact with herpes, either someone who has it or someone who slept with somebody who has it. However, most people will not get herpes. But if you do, also, it's not that big of a deal. I do have herpes one. It's like genetic, like my whole family does. Face, yes, the face herpes. Yeah, the face, the face stuff. Um, and actually, I didn't know that that couldn't. I I knew there were different kinds of herpes, but I didn't know that like mouth herpes couldn't really spread to genitals because when I was younger, um, like a sex ed teacher, I remember saying like not to um, like give oral sex when you have an outbreak because that's how it could spread. And so I just like thought that forever. Well, apparently, according to my... And now I'm like, oh, I could have been giving oral sex all those times I thought I could. (laughs) (laughs) There are literally like four times I could (laughs) give oral sex at that point. Um, Well, the uh, according to my now expert level of research, it's, once again, it's scientifically possible Mm -hmm. if you... Uh, performed oral sex with an open cold sore on your face that you could transmit herpes one to someone's genital region. Mm -hmm. However, it's very unlikely 
um, because for whatever reason, herpes one likes your face and herpes two likes your genitals. And it's way, it's way less likely that you would ever contract one of those to the region that it doesn't like as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah, I'm sure it's still possible, but I just like, I thought that like, if I gave a blowjob while I had a cold sore, like that person would have herpes. Like that's how it works. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And for, for all we know, uh, maybe that was like the scientific consensus at the time. That's true. (laughs) It was when I was like in middle school. So. Yeah. Um, so another interesting thing about this is according to some people online, and I don't know what the basis of this is. Um, but a lot of people claim that at one point in time, just like with face herpes, people did not really care about genital herpes. Um, it was kind of like, you know, some people get cold sores. It's kind of gross for a second. Nobody really cares that much. You might be kind of embarrassed if you have to go around, you know, at some point with a sore on your face. Um, but you're just like, oh, I don't look as pretty today. Um, and then something happened and people started to care more about um, genital herpes. And a lot of people claim that this was when Valtrex started to be sold. So there is a drug called Valtrex, uh, which started to be prescribed in 1995. Um And they did a huge ad campaign. What this drug does is if you're having an outbreak at the beginning of the outbreak, you can take the Valtrex and it will kind of stop the outbreak in its tracks and cause it to heal up faster. Um, And so there was this huge ad campaign and this huge marketing push to sell Valtrex. Um, And uh, some people have claimed that that's connected to the newer social stigma that we have around herpes. I believe that for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. There's that so pretty much, plausible. yeah, so much fucked up like pharmaceutical shit, which I know is something else we want to talk about at some point. Um, but yeah. You could I, dive in. We could. Um, okay. I mean, my like deep dive in terms of the medical industry, um, was slash is having chronic Lyme, which is something like very controversial um, and not to go too deep into that because that will take us in a different direction. But actually one of the things with that is that like some doctors told me that it could um, be sexually transmitted because there was like this one study that like showed that might be true. Um, but then there's also a lot of science saying it's not. And so like even that was like, it's just like this very puritanical lens of like, you know, no matter what, like, don't have sex, because, like, <laughs> like the guy in Mean Girls, like, you will get chlamydia and die. Um, but, but, yeah, and there's just so much I corruption. Had kind like, of a... Yeah. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, a lot of the blood tests for Lyme also are really um, inconsistent, like, similar to what Ambria was talking about with herpes. And there's just, like, the companies that, like, own those tests just, like, own them. And so, like, no one cares. Like, nothing's done about that. Yeah, I think that the anything that has to do with, like, women's health or sexual health is even more fucked up than the rest of our medical yes. shit to me. And I had, like, a, almost an inverse experience around this when I was younger. And my partner at the time called me and was like oh hey I just found out I have an STD 
Um, I think I got it, you know, before we got together and we've been safe, but you should probably get yourself checked for this anyways. And it was like a Saturday and I think I worked a lot during the week at the time. So I went to uh, an urgent care that was also like a tropical infectious disease clinic the rest Mm. of the time. And so because it had nothing to do with sex, I went in and I was like, hey, here's the deal. My partner thinks they have this. I don't think I do, but I just want to be sure. And she literally said, drop your pants. She put a shot, like shot me in the butt with a shot. And she was like, this way, if you have it, it's gone. If not, you don't have to wait for a test. And like, that was it. Yeah. (laughs) What was the shot? I don't know. She was just like... She, she was just like we can we can fix this today this way it will never develop even if you would have had it and I was just like oh that's it and she was like yeah that's fine have a great weekend and I was like wow this is so different from like going to a, a like gynecologist or something it was really wild yeah what an yeah. evil she's like how about we just treat you for it and you go home <laughs> yeah she was like there's no you know there's no contraindications for this shot um this way you don't have to wait for results and blah and I was just like this what is this paradise? Um, so it was kind of funny. This, um, I went to get tested at an urgent care center before just to get like a general panel. I was like in class one day and like STDs came up. I don't remember why, but I just suddenly like it dawned on me like, oh, I've had unprotected sex like with multiple people because, you know, whatever. Um, but was like, oh shit, like I haven't gotten tested in a while. I'm like, I should go. And I just started like working myself into a panic. And so after class, I was just like, I'm just going to go to the urgent care center and like do the STD panel. So I went and the doctor was a man, of course, and was like, just extremely like slut shamey about the whole thing. He asked me so many questions about like how many partners I had and like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, asked about my birth control. I said I had an IUD. And he was like, you know that an IUD doesn't protect STDs, right? And I was like, obviously, I know that. That's why I'm here. Um, And then, like, he started asking me specifically, because I was living in D.C., but he asked if I had any partners who lived in Baltimore because, according to him, like, Baltimore had higher um, rates of STDs, like, at least at that time. Um, And it was just, like so many like hoops and questions I had to answer and I was like I just want you to like do the panel and let me know if I have one and like if I do maybe provide some medication (laughs) especially as not your regular doctor there's no reason he should really need to know your relative level of risk to give you the STD panel yeah and to, to me like one of the real dangers of you know, the stigma that Ambria was talking about and all of this, anything surrounding sex um, is that it it gives people who haven't tested positive for anything a false sense of superiority because they're like, well, I'm not dirty. I've never had anything. I am 100 percent safe all the time with every partner I've ever had my whole life. And and, you know, we know that that's bullshit. Like it is really just a function of coming in contact with other people and it's, uh, I don't know, maybe the legacy of like the puritanical start of our country and how fucked up we are about sex in general. But we don't shame this way about other things. Like, right. we wouldn't be like, oh, you, you have like, you know, dysentery. Guess you shouldn't have taken that trip to India like a reckless asshole. You know, we would not <laughs> like <laughs> we, when people catch diseases doing other things that are somewhat risky. We're not usually like, you know. Yeah. That's what you get for eating sushi at that sketchy restaurant. Yeah. Well, so I I think it's also like based on what you're saying, Hope, and it's just like so funny to try to think about if we approached 
like any other types of illnesses with the same level of anxiety. Um, I feel like a lot of times we're just led to believe that we might just be walking around with a whole host of venereal diseases with zero symptoms. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like this constant anxiety that like secretly we're like having and spreading this like disgusting disease. Um, and I'm trying to imagine like, yeah, at any given moment, like I could have a brain tumor and not know about it. And of course that's not contagious, but I could also have something contagious and not know it. And it would really suck if I gave it to people. And I think, you know, being in good health is great. And I get tested for STIs regularly. And I think that that's a good thing, but just like the level of anxiety and sort of like paranoia, I, I would call it like a severe paranoia we have in our society over like, do I see like have some kind of invisible, disgusting thing that I'm going to run around giving to people um, like a dirty slut, you know, it, it's kind of ridiculous. And like, I, I've never gotten an STI and sometimes people do, but it's like, how, how much anxiety have I suffered for absolutely no reason? It's silly. Yep. That definitely ties into what I was thinking about with virginity and this concept we have of like your sexuality being a depreciating asset. And I was joking that it's kind of like the, Oh, a new car loses half its value when you drive it off the lot. And we have like kind of the same sentiment about uh, sexuality where it's like, Oh, well, you're not a virgin anymore. So automatically now, especially as a woman, uh, it's worthless. And now here you are, you know, driving it, reckless driving fast to work this car analogy could really go like very far um but <laughs> you know it's, it's this idea that like you're it's somehow going to be worth less if you don't like preserve parts of its integrity uh which is absurd um but it's really pervasive um and another thing that I was forced to think about like all those horrible feelings I had about my self-worth like in the event that I had herpes like if I had had it and I my boyfriend dumped me because of it and, you know, then I had it for the rest of my life. Like I seriously would have had to wrestle with like my sense of self-worth. Um, and that is so fucked up because, you know, people do have herpes and it is not a dangerous virus. It is fine. And yet it could have a huge impact on people's love lives um, and on our sexual lives. And it's just really messed up. Like, I'm really glad that I didn't have to go through that. But I'm really angry and sad that other people do. Yeah, for sure. There's this amazing scene um, in Working Moms. Have, I hope I know you watch it. Have you seen the newest season? Of, yes. Of Working Moms. So, yep. you know, the scene I'm talking about. I do. Um, yeah. So one of the, you can help tell it if I leave any details out, but one of the characters is a single dad and he is like having kind of a casual thing with this woman. And um, she finds out that she has chlamydia. And so she's like, you should go get tested. Um, and he goes to get tested and he has it. And um, I don't know how much it shows of her, but like, she's like definitely worried about it. And he finds out and he goes to like get antibiotics and he gets it for her as well. And then he calls her and he's like, I have chlamydia. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I feel awful, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I got us both, uh, like, the antibiotics. Like, come over, take STD pills with me and be my girlfriend. And it's like, 
such a cute scene and they like bond over <laughs> taking their chlamydia antibiotics together yeah. and I was just like that's just such a like nice like ideal um way that it could be handled and it's so rarely handled in a like nice and caring way yeah it's it's kind of hilarious. Like, yeah, we have sex with people. It's fine. If you catch something from having sex people with people, you're a bad person. <laughs> yeah, then it's gross. <laughs> yeah, then it's disgusting that you had sex. Everything has changed. <laughs> um, we could talk a little bit more about the virginity thing, I think. So if yeah. you um, have maybe uh, just arrived back from a wilderness trip with no Wi-Fi, <laughs> perhaps you have not heard... That a huge crush of mine, T.I., who... Oh, my performed... God, I just got your joke from the beginning. Okay, wow. Wow. <laughs> that was such a good joke. I'm so sorry I missed it. I know. I'm glad you're here now, Zoe. I'm glad you're here now. Okay. Whew, my so brain T. is I... empty. Anyway, go on. T.I., who unfortunately is an incredible hottie and performed... The single, one of my favorite songs ever, You Can Have Whatever You Like, came out publicly recently to let everybody know that his 18-year-old daughter is still a virgin and he knows it for sure because he has her checked every year by the gynecologist. This was trash one, but also two, why did he come out and say this? Like, was were people asking? I don't understand why you would be like, I need to tell the world this. I, I, yes, this has crossed my mind many times, but let's focus on what's important, which is that my crush is ruined. Um, <laughs> just kidding. The important part of this yeah, is that it's incredibly fucked up. Um, I'm glad that there's been backlash because that means, you know, even if there are people who agree with TI, at least from what I've seen, most people do not agree that this is a good practice. But the biggest issue here is that it is not medically sound. Um, and I've seen a lot of different people talking about this, uh, including a doctor friend of mine. Uh, you know, virginity is a cultural concept. And we understand that pretty well with, uh, like, you know, penises, right? A man, quote unquote, loses his virginity or a person with a penis loses their virginity and nothing really happens to them physically, right? It's a it's a cultural, social idea that they have engaged in some physical act that has changed their status in society. There's no physical... And, the and what? <laughs> Sorry. You're getting me all fired up over here now thinking about this, but... Yeah, uh, it also reinforces the P and V is the only valid, true way to have sex. So, right. you know, when we're thinking like, oh, well, I guess lesbians can't lose their virginity then if they're not having penetrative sex or people who just choose not to do penetrative sex can or do like, at what point does that count as sex? So the whole thing is fucked up. Yeah, it I think no validity whatsoever. I think I talked about this on our bisexuality episode a little bit, but the first person that I had sex with was another girl. And it was like when I was a teenager and I had a friend say to me like, oh, well, that's not really like losing your virginity though then. And I was like, like, I was honestly unsure, but I was like, I don't know, like it was sex, right? <laughs> but like, yeah, that's just like what you're taught. Um, so yeah, that definitely like fucked me up for a while. Because you were like, that wasn't real. That well, wasn't real. Because I was sex. like unsure. 
<laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Did I, I have sex? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think I'm having sex, but like, is it? Because a lot of people are telling me it's not. Yeah, that's wild. Um, but like further, the idea of my parents not just inquiring about the status of my virginity, but making me go to a doctor and prove it, like some kind of like fucking medieval. Uh... It's bloody so blanket wedding night oh, shit so is gross. so if oh I actually imagine what that would be like for my dad to march me to a doctor oh. and then have the doctor tell my dad that my hymen was intact I like that's horrifying yeah also every bit of that is so creepy yeah also I assume all of our listeners know this but your hymen being intact means literally nothing it can break from like riding a bike or like sports or tampons or so or many other things or it doesn't matter <laughs> it can remain intact after sex <laughs> yeah like it, it's it doesn't mean anything it's just like a piece of skin fiber whatever there <laughs> there is no medical model for what the hymen is before or after penetrative sex. Of it's, course there's not. <laughs> it but can yeah. start off small and stretch. It can start off small and break. It can start off pretty open and stay pretty open. It th- There's no... The hymen is not an indicator of whether or not you've had sex. It can break or not with other activities, with sex, or it might not. There's no medical standard. It's completely a myth. Like, it doesn't even... <laughs> it's ridiculous. But yeah, like, it can break yeah. from riding a bike. Or it might stay intact, like, most of your life until you have a baby. Ugh, it's so creepy. Is and that just, like, where the Virgin treating... Mary came from? <laughs> Sorry. For the Virgin what? Virgin Mary? Was it just, like, because she had a hymen? <laughs> <laughs> They never went into it because, like, it's a little too much for the Bible. But they were like, well, what's too much for the Bible? I don't know. Never mind. But The Bible is corny. Yeah, right. I was like, wait a second, actually. (laughs) But, yeah, they checked her. They're like, yeah, she's got a hymen. She must be a virgin. Yeah. Yeah. Have either of you heard anyone come to TI's defense on this I'm just curious who are the people that are like yeah this is the right course of action you should keep talking about this I haven't but also like I definitely don't follow anyone that would and if I did I would unfollow them immediately (laughs) here I go I'm googling it now TI is right actually (laughs) I'm very afraid of what you're gonna find Okay. I'm sure it's like on Reddit. Go to Reddit. <laughs> Wait, this is just stuff about TI. Okay. TI. TI is right about daughters. R slash TI is right. It's good to make sure your daughter's a virgin. Okay. <laughs> TI rapper, it's good to make sure your daughter is a virgin. Okay. <laughs> You're going to start getting some really weird targeted ads after this, Amber. Oh, my God. Oh, that's amazing. Do, do, do. Okay, so far this is all negative. And the only reason I ask it is because, though he, like, put something out this like, there, and I wonder, is it just to stir up conversation and get people talking about him, which we are? Is this, like, more of a movement than I think? The whole thing is so strange to me. And combined with uh, Kanye finding God now and saying that, like, 
his uh, wife and daughter shouldn't wear makeup or be sexual. It's very like patriarchal. And there seems to be this like whole movement of like, I'm going to love the women in my family by restraining their sexuality because that's what we need more of. So far, yeah, I don't I don't see anybody being like, this is cool. Hmm. Um, let so me look at this listening YouTube to this episode video, though, and, you... mm-hmm. and look at the comments. And if anybody is... who's listening knows people in their life who support T.I. protecting his daughter's hymen uh, with medical help, uh, let us know. Tweet at us. We want to know who these people are. <laughs> Somebody said this isn't a helicopter dad. This is a hell of a creepy dad. Um, he's going to lose his daughter if she's healthy. Um, who not only does this, but talks about it to the media, another degenerate celebrity. I, I don't see <laughs> anybody defending this. Why is he, uh, this man is a joke. Maybe he should have his son's asshole checked since he's so concerned about who's screwing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody's, uh... Nobody's defending him out here. But yeah, let us know if you know somebody who is. I had my neighbors over for lunch last weekend and one of them made a joke that was like pretty, pretty offensive um, and was but in a, like a self-aware way. She was like, oh, I probably shouldn't say that. And I was like, well, it's fine that you said it, but you've been canceled now and you have to leave my house through the window. And I just keep thinking about how funny it is that celebrities would have like a canceled window that they have to crawl out of when they do something that's terrible. <laughs> I would like for T.I. to crawl out of the canceled window. What happens is that they have to build like a secret underground passage from their basement that gets them like outside of their home. <laughs> like, yes. They have to come out of like a sewer grade a mile away or something. <laughs> and it just dumps <laughs> all of them into New York comedy clubs. <laughs> if you're canceled, you just can't use doors anymore. I don't make the rules. <laughs> well um thank you for listening to season of the bitch (laughs) (laughs) subscribe on the things go to twitter at season of the b gmail us season of the b at gmail.com look at our website season of the wait our website season of the bitch all the way right i think it's season of the b wait season of let me double check i think it's yeah season of the b.com you can also just google the name of our our podcast and the website comes up. I don't know if you know that one little trick um, <laughs> that doctors don't want you to know about, which is that um, you can just Google the name of something and their website will pop up. Um, we also have an Instagram that Zoe and Laura are like hitting hard on. Uh, so you should check that out. <laughs> yeah. We're um, hitting hard. Yeah. They're hitting that shit hard. They're hitting the Insta. Love me some Instagram. What can I say? I'm a millennial. Anything else? If you're listening and you have an STD or you're worried you have an STD, we still love you. There's a very good chance that I would definitely still bone you. And you're worthwhile. And that we've all been there. And people will try to make you feel like they haven't. And they're bullshit. Unless they're T.I.'s daughter, apparently. And I want to let you know my former partner who had herpes is now in a long-term, very loving relationship with someone who does not have herpes and they're very happy together and uh, they don't care. It's not a part, it's not a concerning matter in their lives. Oh yeah, but I did, I did want to ask because you brought up, isn't there like specifically a dating app for herpes or 
Is it for, like... You know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure there's a dating app. I don't know if it's specifically for herpes or if it's, like, for, like, STIs in general. And then you just go... There's definitely a dating app that is, like... Yeah, for people that have STDs, like, seeing other people. But as you were saying, there's, like, also... It's, like, really fucked up and hard to know if you actually have one. Um, and that's weird to me. Like, I... I can see why it would be a positive thing to, like, to see, like, oh, these people are going to understand if they also have the same STI or deal with some kind of STI, um, especially with herpes, because it's, like, permanent. But then again, it's also, like, why are we reinforcing this idea that if you have herpes, you need to date other people that have herpes? Right. As opposed to just, like, finding a partner that is a good match for you. Um like, I get it. It just sucks. Yeah. I did just find a site called Dating with Herpes, um, subtitle Meet Local Singles with Herpes. Um, nice. And there's actually, like, a bunch. Um, so that was just something I meant to bring up earlier when you were talking about it, but it just came back to me. In closing, Josephine did a really good job being quiet while we were recording this and I was like man she's just the best kid and I'm being such a good mom today and then I looked over and she's just eating cookies she found under the car seat (laughs) so it's kind of a mixed bag over here (laughs) hi Jojo (laughs) she found some uh, old cookies they made me from last Christmas <laughs> Hi Jojo, it's okay. I old shit off the floor all the time. Look at me. I'm happy and healthy. <laughs> and I have no STIs. <laughs> Alright, love you both. Good talking. Love you. Love you. Bye. 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 Season of the bitch. <laughs>